I really think that we need a cultural shift around embracing menstruation as opposed to shaming and being grossed out by it. Because it's not. Yes, it's blood. Who gives a shit? You have blood circulating through your eyeballs right now. You as a woman have a fifth vital sign, which is that if something is up with your cycles, it was normally this this yes. length, now my cycles are this length, something's off. You've been gifted with an opportunity to investigate that. And your OBGYN has squelched that opportunity and placed you on a pill that is also screwing up a bunch of other body systems. In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge, and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature, and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. Today's show is, like all shows really, in line with my mission, which is to help us be more healthy and fit in mind, body, and spirit, as well as to harmonize your masculine and feminine energy, tap into your intuition, your true source of power, and awaken your authentic self. And we can't do that unless we have all the truthful information. And that's another way of saying informed consent, right? We can't make choices that are intelligent and wise and right for us or the people that we love without accurate and complete facts. And this is where we get into trouble when we make decisions based on information we have that's incomplete or perhaps manipulated or excluded or maybe with people that have different values and integrity than we do. Let's just leave it at that. So this show is about helping you to be empowered. And, you know, we hear the term empowered a lot, but we can't be empowered unless we have accurate information and all of the information. Otherwise, we're making an incomplete choice based on incomplete information. And how good is that outcome going to be? Well, in an effort to continue to allow you to have informed consent so you can make the best choices and therefore be empowered, today's show is right along those lines with my repeat guest, Dr. Nathan Riley, who is an OBGYN and a hospice doctor and uh, also a good friend of mine because he's just an incredible human being and another person who truly walks the walk and he is a brave soldier, let me tell you. Uh, Nathan was also on the show previously. You can check it out, episode 89. And we get into holistic women's health care and fertility and birth and menopause and hormones. It's a fascinating episode. So I was thrilled when Nathan agreed to come back because we're talking about something super important, hormones, contraception, lifestyle effects, and the short and long-term effects of the pill. In particular, we're going to be referencing a powerful documentary called The Business of Birth Control. And there's also a partner documentary by the same producers who happen to be Abby Epstein and Ricky Lake. And that other documentary is called The Business of Being Born. So these are two super important documentaries of information that needs to get out there so people can make 
truly informed decisions about what's happening when they go on contraception, both short-term and long-term, and what's happening when they get pregnant and they're going to have a baby, what their choices are, what's safe, what's not a fa- safe, what their rights are, what they can expect to happen and not expect, what they can tolerate, not tolerate. Again, power to the people. Be empowered. Be an informed consumer. That's a huge part of the mission of my show. So these two documentaries, The Business of Being Born and today's topic, The Business of Birth Control in particular, are must-watch documentaries. And I really hope that you not only watch them, but share them with people to get this information out there. And I'll, I will add a little caveat that, guys, these are only like 90-minute documentaries, as uh, Nathan points out. You know, they're not all inclusive. There's going to be holes in them. People, of course, you know, anything you do, they're going to pick it apart and criticize and say, well, they didn't talk about this. They didn't talk about that, whatever. Of course, it's a 90-minute documentary. But if at least it whets your appetite a little bit to, or wakes you up, or if you've ever had that nagging sense of, hmm, there's got to be a better way, or hmm, something doesn't seem right. Don't dismiss that. Listen to that and seek those answers to follow your intuition, your higher wisdom, because you might be right. And you might find that these documentaries are like, holy mackerel, they kind of open the floodgates into more uh, seek, seeking of truth and knowledge and options. So strap on your seatbelts. This is going to be a deep one and, uh, put on that thinking cap. And again, if you want to check out more of Nathan, check out episode 89. Also more on informed consent, medical health freedom, and some of our rights with episode 65 of my show with Sarah and, uh, Sarah Gustafson. And lastly, episode 93 might interest you with Susan Wilson, who's a midwife. And we talk about womanhood, rites of passage, menopause, and more about the menstrual cycle and just basically being a woman in today's day day and age, which is again, a common theme of my show, but those shows in particular might interest you. And please do check out the business of dot life to watch these documentaries because you won't find them on TV or Amazon or Netflix. They purposefully did not put them there so they could retain control of these, these, these important, um, eye awakening documentaries. You'll find them on the business of dot life.com and, uh, the business of birth control and the business of being born. Let's now join Dr. Nathan Riley. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. And I'm so thrilled to have my dear friend, the amazing Dr. Nathan Riley, back on the show for a repeat performance. Everybody, the crowd goes nuts. Woo! Nathan, you are on fire, my friend. And, uh, you know, it's been predicted. And you sure are really just, uh, wow, swinging for the bleachers, aren't you? You know, what other option do we have right now? It's like, are we just going to keep just rowing the boat? Or are we going to see what's off in that direction over there and start asking questions? And that, that curiosity has led me into some really great terrain and happy to share some of that with you today. Yeah. You know, I'm just so grateful for you, Nathan, because you are just such a special gem. You're such a wealth of knowledge, but you truly have the ultimate bedside manner and you're just so down earth and approachable and you so, so smart and, and knowledgeable, but you really help people understand it. You, you, you help them feel like 
not stupid, <laughs> you know, when you're explaining stuff and uh, it's so respectful and, 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 and I'm always in awe of you just professionally, how you're just doing all this major stuff on so many levels with sm two small kids, staying healthy, a wife, you know, somewhat of a life, right? Keeping like, it together. <laughs> yeah. You know, a private practice, your online stuff, your amazing podcasts and uh, just everything you're doing. So just officially, once again, Nathan, thank you for being Nathan. Well, <laughs> as, as our dear friend Paul says, I have no other choice. There's only one of me and I got to be me. So you got to yeah. go find out who you are and I'm going to do me over here. And I, uh, I, I, you know, I think that when we show up in, in, uh, let's say integrity, but even, even more so, I think it's, it's, um, nowadays, I think people are really, really striving for authenticity. And we may have mentioned this in the last episode we did, but I think it bears repeating when you show up authentically yourself. And that doesn't mean you use slurs and whatnot. And you're like, you just, I say what I want. That's not what I mean. What I mean mm -hmm. is like, when you're really doing the thing that you feel compelled to do, that really brings you joy mm -hmm. it, and, and, and you're able to show up and really expose yourself flaws and all other people get permission to be just as perfectly imperfect with you. And that's how real connection happens. So that goes for doctors, for nurses, for midwives, for anybody in or out of the medical system. We're, we're all seeking, craving that authenticity. And um, I don't think there's a lot of people in medicine who are really allowed to be the person that they want to be. They're kind of being fit into a box. And as I've told you, if I were to do that, I couldn't really do what I do now. And now that I'm doing what I do now, the doors just keep opening. I keep meeting more amazing people like you and, and just growing and growing and growing personally from, you know, in my family. And mm. that really helps me show up for the people that are here to get care from me as well. So mm -hmm. it's a win, 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 whenever we're just authentically ourselves in the most compassionate, respectful way that we know how. And what is it? What is the thing for you, Nathan, that is the thing like, you know, that you found that really is your driver? Well, I don't want to be told what to do. Um, and I know we're going to talk a lot about birth control and we're going to talk about maybe some home birth midwifery stuff today. Um, I think it all boils down to um, I, I did a lot of training. I invested nearly a half a million dollars. And trust me, I know the dollar amount. It's like $472,836 that I owe to the government for all of my medical school debt. Wow. And so if I invested all of that money, I, I sacrificed 14 years of my life. I had to count up the years. And that includes undergrad, med school, residency, fellowship. If I'm going to put in all that work, why would I be turning to somebody else to have permission to do the thing that is so near and dear to me? And since we are going to be talking about birth control, I, you know, the, the question that always comes up is, why do you do things differently? It's not that I actually see the world differently. It's that I have realized that if I'm going to provide the best care possible to women specifically and their kids and their partners, et cetera, I can't be leaning so heavily on somebody who isn't me, who isn't authentically themselves, who's just operating within some executive suite to tell me what I'm capable or not capable of doing. And this gets into licensure, federal or state policies. Um, so many OBGYNs, when they hear me speak, they actually are in alignment. Our medical industrial complex is not the problem, nor are doctors that are not willing to see the truth. I want to try to dispel that. 
there's nothing special about me. The medical industrial complex is answering the call of people who are perhaps not comfortable with the idea that they have so much power in, in making decisions for themselves. What feels right is never a question your doctor asks you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if, if we have a system that is answering this call, that they want to outsource responsibility in decision-making about their bodies, about their babies, about their birth, whatever else, the medical industrial complex, complex is doing exactly what we've asked of it. And this gets into societal, I told you, societal malpractice on a very deep level. You as a person, Amy, have so much power. And it's my job as a doctor to provide you with the information gleaned from that $500,000 worth of investment and all the time I spent in the library, et cetera. I'm here to give you information. I'm here to give you risks, benefits, alternatives to anything under the sun, including your birth control or whatever, although you don't need that right now, but many people listening might be thoughtful about this. And then to support you in that decision. The rest is up to you. And especially when you get pregnant, there is so much responsibility. Like what an incredible responsibility to have. You've got this temple, you're growing this baby that's going to be emerging into the earth school. There's a lot that, there. like what a, what a privilege to have the responsibility over the growth of this new little earthling. And, um, and so when people find me, they, they are confronted by the language, but it's not because they disagree. It's because they just haven't heard this from a medical professional who's really an agent of this medical industrial complex that is serving a society that's not <clears throat> oftentimes given permission to act on their own autonomy, you know, act through their own autonomy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in fact, I think the whole system is set up not in favor of the of the person of the individual i mean just right down to the demands of the schedule and residency and all that i mean doctors are trained to ignore their own bodies so why would they then go and teach people and advocate listen to your body you know i mean they they, they were actually trained not to in order to get through it yeah it's it's (laughs) it's dehumanizing the training process itself like I've, i've shared with you and i've shared on my podcast for those 100-hour work weeks in four years of residency as an OBGYN, wow. you're told when you can pee, when you can poop, when you can have sex, when you can laugh, when you wow. can cry. Like You're expected to put your head down, do the job, go home, and come back and do it all over again the next day, mm-hmm. seven days a week, every single week for four years, nearly and every not week. make mistakes that are affecting other people's lives. <laughs> I mean, well, certainly don't make it look like you're the one responsible, which gets yeah. into another issue. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're not incentivized to admit that you don't know something, then you just stop learning Right. and you, you want to make it look like somebody else's faults. But when I was in residency, I got called to the principal's office so many times for things even related to how I counsel about birth control because, <laughs> because I was willing to admit, I don't know. Of like, course. I don't know. I better go and look at this up because I'm not totally sure I'm giving you the adequate mm-hmm. information for you to make an informed decision. So they see that as he's not, he's not smart enough or he's You're not showing like, a uh, tough enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like who on earth knows everything? As soon as you acknowledge, you know, everything, there's no reason to practice medicine anymore. You better move on to like electrical engineering or yeah. something. You hubris. Know? Hubris yeah. will be our downfall. Yeah. Exactly. Well, That's so interesting because, like you mentioned, we're going to get into uh, these amazing documentaries by uh, Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein, The Business of Birth Control and The Business of Birth. Mm, Being Um, Born. Business of Being Born. Excuse me. Yes, thank you. But 
Let's talk about informed consent because you mentioned that it was your job. You regarded it as your job as a, as a medical doctor to, to help ensure that your patient who's entrusting their care to you is going to have as much accurate information as possible yeah. so that they can make an informed, educated decision that's best for them. And, and I think that's very admirable um, yeah. because I actually want to talk about some definitions. I looked up the word informed and the legal definition is having knowledge and or an understanding of the facts of a situation. The definition of consent is basically agreement or accord. It comes from the Latin consensus, which means to sing together. So there's a musical reference here of like being in harmony, like being in accordance and consent, like a concert. So in informed consent, when put together, can be defined as permission granted in the knowledge of possible consequences. And this is typically for a treatment with a doctor and a patient. So meaning full knowledge of the possible risks and benefits. Now, I ask you, in our modern culture, do we have informed consent about anything? Knowledge of all the possible consequences and risks? I mean, you know, come on. This is a major problem for people today, making life-affecting decisions, birth, death, life, everything altered, and we don't have informed consent. So this show is about helping people have informed consent. It's about information so then we can make the best decisions for ourselves. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, this is the crux of medical bioethics, which has mm-hmm. been drawn into question by a, a bunch of very um, unusual behaviors, let's say, over the past mm-hmm. couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, and is it okay to talk about this stuff on the Go show? Go for it. Everything's on the table. So let's say somebody offers you a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And they say, listen, if you get this vaccine, we, we think that it's going to prevent you from getting really sick and maybe dying from the virus that is meant to be protected by this vaccine. We also think it's going to decrease the risk of you transmitting the virus, even if you don't get sick, to somebody else. Okay, like those are some pretty compelling reasons to get any anything uh, injected into your body, right? Like it, it's, it is, that's compelling. You're not going to sure. get sick and you're not going to get your grandfather sick. That is the, the, the line that's been sort of, that's the narrative that's been advertised about a said vaccine over these past couple of years. The issue is in my world, <clears throat> the vaccine was being recommended to pregnant women before we had any safety data. And there's been some controversy around vaccines and pregnancy for years now. Now, this is one that we don't have any safety data. And immediately, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists was saying, every pregnant woman needs to get this vaccine because we know that pregnant women get sicker. In, they're more likely to get, uh, they're more prone to infection, let's say, mm-hmm. because of the role of, of, of high levels of serum progesterone specifically, which suppresses your immune system. We know that. Mm-hmm. So we have this, we have this uh, issue And because of the theoretical concern, we want everybody to get this vaccine. The problem with that is, is that now a pregnant woman is being told by their trusted healthcare provider that there are these great benefits and they're being told that there are absolutely no consequences to getting this vaccine. So back to your, the conversation around informed consent, as a doctor, 
during that time period. I'm not so sure it would get me in trouble anymore. But there were doctors losing their licenses, having their entire businesses deplatformed from social media and whatnot. And as everybody knows, social media is pretty critical if you have a creative kind of content-oriented practice like I do. They were getting their licenses taken away. They were getting to serious legal. It's not even just trouble. I mean, this was like really, really bad news for people. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were talking about the possibility that there are some downsides to doing this thing. Mm-hmm. So it became heresy, in other words, to provide the information that would be required for a pregnant woman to make an informed decision. In other words, to provide informed consent, which again is one of our four fundamental principles of bioethics. So if there is a cultural narrative that is prohibiting me from uh, uh, acknowledging but practicing through the lens of bioethics, which are kind of like the tenets of medicine, you cannot break these things. I cannot do a surgery on you without you consenting, for example. Um, If I'm not able to provide the information for fear of losing my license, about the downsides of a vaccine. It could even be that, hey, I've said something about the lack of safety data and you're going to wait a little while. You've become apprehensive. Vaccine hesitancy. Vaccine hesitancy. You lose your license for that. People have. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So doctors like me have to actually, in order to stay within uh, alignment with the narrative, which is mm-hmm. played in by politicians and these oversight agencies and everything else, we actually are violating a principle of bioethics. Mm-hmm. And that should put everybody in a state of pause. Like, what's really happening here? Is this misinformation or is it actually very honest to say, hey, there might be benefits and there might be risks. Now, to say that if you get this vaccine, your baby's going to die, that's also not true. A lot of women got it, but their babies didn't die. But we don't know what the downstream consequences are of immune modulating biomedical devices. We don't. So, The lack of transparency around that makes it very, very hard for my clients to make informed decisions, which is why they're coming to my practice, because they know that I'm going to be very upfront. It is Mm -hmm. worse if you get it while while pregnant. There's no doubt about that. But everything's worse when you when you get uh, when you're pregnant, every infection. Mm -hmm. Um, Is this device going to prevent that? I don't know. We don't have any data. Is this Mm -hmm. device going to harm the baby? I don't know. We don't have the data. Is this going to lead to issues within your immune system and endocrine system down the road? I don't know. (laughs) For anybody who says, I do know because of graphene and everything else, you're also not being honest because we actually don't know. Mm -hmm. But that's where the the role of a discerning clinician is so important. And unfortunately, so many of my colleagues have totally dropped the ball. And now more people are, are even more distrusting of medical professionals if they were if they were a little distrusting now they're fully full bore yeah, i don't want to true. go see a doctor again so we're in a really really uh tough spot right now and i am trying to use my platform in these conversations to help people understand that that there is a way out we just need to create a little life raft i don't think we're going to beat the cdc and tony fauci or whatever at this game it's it's not about data it's about coercing people to do things that they don't want to do and testing how compliant they're going to be. And for the what- control of information, the control of people's yeah. minds. I mean, you know, the propaganda and what people think is quote unquote truth and where they're resourcing their information right. from and and the motives and um, the lack of ethics like yeah. and you know what you're basically referring to. And, you know, I always say on my show, Nathan, that unfortunately not everyone thinks the way 
I'm speaking to the audience, like you might think, you know, you might think, right. oh God, who would ever do that? I would never do that. And, you know, the golden rule, treat people like you want to be treated and, you know, having ethics and being able to look yourself in the mirror and sleep at night. Not everyone feels that way. You know, yeah. there's just, yeah. it's just the reality of it. And when, when you really do your own homework and dig deeper, it's pretty scary what you might find, you know, the, the corporate control and, you know, the, the these companies, these, these drug companies that are proven criminals, you know, with the highest, you know, uh, fine rates paid, you know, in the history of the world. Yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, I mean, they're dollars. proven yeah. criminals. <laughs> and then we're trusting, like to use, you know, the average vaccine is what's the testing period of about seven years. You know, we know no long-term side effects, but I like the fact that you're saying nobody knows. Even, you know, one side doesn't know, neither does the other. But you have to, like everything, you have to weigh the risk-benefit ratio, yeah. right? Yeah. And you have to just not just take what anyone says for, for surface value. And, you know, and God forbid you look up on your phone for the answer and you think that's the truth, you know? Yeah. Like, you got to dig deeper. And I think your bigger point is, you know, we have to have the conversation. We can't be afraid to have a conversation and to ask the questions. And if we're censored, if we have tape in our mouths right from the beginning that we can't even question anything, game over. I mean, there is, you know, there's no, there's no free will and right. there's certainly no informed consent. And that's right. what we're going to get at with, with what's going on here because you are an OBGYN as well as hospice uh, medical expert. And, um, and I'll just remind people of your prior appearance on the show episode uh, 89 where Nathan talked about a holistic women's health care and birth menopause hormones so if you want more of Nathan because I know you're gonna want to if there's so much more do definitely check out episode 89 um, but we're gonna get into now okay what's going on here with these amazing documentaries like I mentioned they were made by Ricky Lake Abby Epstein the business of birth control for one um, the Business of Being Born, if I'm not mistaken, was actually produced back in 2014. Yeah. Um, and they got a lot of heat from that, from the medical establishments. I had now. just started residency, actually, when that wow. film came out. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't have watched it. Like, I would Ricky Lake make a film? Like, sure. Oh, who, yeah. who is she? Sure I'm a doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that film completely rocked my world. Thank God. Um, Good. Well, let's, yeah, let's talk about those films. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to give a little preface to anybody out there who has seen the film and you found something in there that maybe wasn't factually correct or was incomplete or whatever else. It's a 90 minute film, guys, mm -hmm. that is not hiding behind what we call evidence-based medicine. It's actually helping to uncover some of these other aspects that perhaps haven't been included in the counseling from your typical OBGYN. That was the whole point of these films. They're not complete. This is not the Encyclopedia Britannica of birth control, the business of being uh, of birth control, or this is not everything you need to know about having a baby. But what it did do was it did draw into question some of the sound of kind of dogmatic thinking that we have about hospital-based birth. And I, for that reason alone, I think it's very worthwhile there to see go. both films. I really do. It just lets women know that they have rights like they've and just the whole idea of, you know, respect of the women in the birthing process and the fact that, you know, just again, like you, you have a right to speak up and, you know, ask questions and know what's happening to your body and why. And you have the right to say no. 
Right. Do there, yeah. you, right. We have to have awareness of options. And that's what we're going to get into, too, with the other documentary yeah. on the business of birth control that, you know, women aren't aware of other options. We think, OK, God, I don't want to get pregnant you know, in college <laughs> or whatever. And so we just do this because we don't want to get pregnant. Yeah. And we're, we don't have informed consent. But anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I mean, where should we start, Amy? I love that yeah. you're bringing, opening this box because mm-hmm. <clears throat> there is so much to talk about. Uh, why don't we focus on the business of birth control? I think okay, the business yes. of being born talks a lot about Pitocin yeah. and it talks about home a lot birth. of the, it does talk about home birth and it contrasts it with you, with what women might expect if they were to have a mm-hmm. hospital birth. And, and they do it. Yeah. And they do a fantastic job of really contrasting these two, two experiences and having been an OBGYN and also attending my own daughter's birth in our bed while we were doing effigy breath work, which mm-hmm. was facilitated by Sarah Tromoli, who's been on your show um, probably hasn't been released yet, but people go and check out Sarah's work. She was on my my show as well. She was a she's a breathwork facilitator. Effigy breathwork is fantastic. We were doing that. The baby came out asleep on my wife's chest on our bed. Probably Wait, not crying. her, not even crying. She was just this little lamb laying on her chest. I never heard of a baby. I thought they were supposed to cry. No. Well, that but, big first gasp actually does help to oh, okay. shut the blood in such a way that yep. maximizes the the uh, the opening of the alveoli, the little sac yeah. at mm-hmm. the end of the airways. So there's a reason to cry. But this little baby was pink, was just happily asleep. And it was a very strange birth, don't get me wrong. But having seen that and then experiencing what I did in the hospital, it is a completely yeah. different experience. Oh, yeah. With all the artificial so, lights and your stirrups and oh my people God. up your vagina and coming in yeah. out of the room yeah. and you know yeah. the bells and whistles and the sounds and doing stuff to you and still poking you and stabbing you and yeah that's it's exactly just totally right. different that's yeah. exactly and, right. and i haven't given birth i just know <laughs> that's what i know about it you yeah know? so yeah. i mean to me these movies were just eye-opening i mean just just all of it you know because we I think in our modern society, we just, this is all just part of our normal culture. This is the way it is. You want to have a baby. Oh God, you don't want anything to go wrong. You got to go to the hospital. You have a doctor. You have to have, uh, you know, competent medical professionals there just in case there's a complication. You know, like we, we, everybody wants the same thing, a safe, healthy mama and baby period. Right. But we don't know there's other options. We don't know like what we don't know. Right. And that goes for all of us. So please talk to us about the business of birth control documentary, which by the way, at the end of the show, we'll give everybody the information on where they can go find it, view it for themselves. It'll be in the show notes as well. But okay. So it talks about the pill in in particular. So in in particular, yeah. yeah. So birth control has a whole bunch of different hats it wears, you know, birth control could mean a uh, non-hormonal piece mm-hmm. of metal that goes into your womb space, which has its own issues, but they weren't even talking about the Paragard, the copper IUD. They were really covering a lot of the hormonal options. And of course you don't have to, if you don't want to have babies, you can't, you don't have to have sex, like, or you don't have sex. Like that's the number one way to not get pregnant. Yep. Abstinence. Um, sure. And then we've got this copper device. We've got spermicides, we've got condoms, all these non non-hormonal things. But then we have a wide variety, a, an, an impossibly complicated number of options in the hormonal range, starting with four different varieties. I believe there's four in the US now, three or four of IUDs that secrete uh, in low dose progesterone, which is not really progesterone. Let's call it progestin because it's a synthetic progesterone, which is important for what we're going to yes, talk about. It is. Um, and then there's a lot of other options uh, that have just a progestin in it. There's a, a um, 
a, a shot you can get every couple months. There's a little device that goes under your skin. It's an implantable mm -hmm. device that goes between the muscles under the subdermal layer here. That lasts for a few years. You've got the Nuva ring, which is a ring that secretes both progest uh, progestin. Um, I believe it's a tonogestrel. There's, there's about a hundred different types of synthetic progesterone, FYI, everybody. Um, and ethanol estradiol, which is a synthetic estrogen. It goes into the vagina and it secretes the hormones and it's absorbed by the by the vaginal epithelium, the skin of the vagina. Um, there's so many. Um, this film, I think, does the best job of really clarifying the dangers of the pill. And when we yes. talk about the pill, again, there's about a hundred different pills that you can pick from. Um, they come in different doses. You can use them for slightly different reasons. There's four generations of progestins, these synthetic progesterones. And some of them actually will help with acne. Some of them will have um, stronger effects on hair growth. You know, I mean, like they have all these different, different sort of nuances. So we won't get into the details of that today. But the important thing to remember is that when we designed this, it's advertised as a hormone, but it's not a hormone. It is a synthetic endocrine disruptor. Wow. So you've got your brain, your pituitary, your thyroid, your adrenals, your ovaries. You've got all these, these endocrine organs that I just named a few all over your body that are really kind of like the Amazon delivery boy. They're sending messages all over the body, all over the body to tell different organs, including the brain, to make more or less of things. And this delicate orchestration is sort of like watching a, a ballet performance. And there's 50 different people on stage who all have a task. And if you were to run into the middle of that group and blindfold a couple people, now everybody's bumping into each other. You've got no sense of awareness between these different, um, these different hormones that are circulating around the different organs that they're meant to act at. And when I, when I call these birth control pills, synthetic endocrine disruptors, that's exactly what we're doing. So for the one purpose of you not having to worry about getting pregnant, and by the way, the pill doesn't protect against STIs like gonorrhea, chlamydia. This is for the sole purpose of you not getting pregnant or perhaps even worse, to clear up your acne. You're now gonna take this endocrine disruptor, which disrupts your, your gut. It throws your microbiome out of balance. It damages the lining of the gut due to this microbiome, this, this dysbiosis as we call it. The lining of your guts contain about 75% of all of your immune system and gut-associated lymphatic tissue. So now that we've disrupted the gut, we've also disrupted your immune system. We've created a leaky space between the, the gut lining cells. And now you've got proteins floating in from your chicken and it looks a lot like your thyroid tissue. So you develop all these autoimmune conditions. You develop Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is the number one cause of hypothyroidism in our country. Um, which is an autoimmune condition. It's fixable, but you have to work with somebody that understands the role of the gut in, in how it communicates with everything. The birth control pill also increases binding hormone or binding proteins from your liver, which attaches, which they circulate in the blood, they attach to healthy endogenous, meaning produced by your body hormones, rendering them ineffective. So you end up in a state of total disarray, like your endocrine system goes all out of whack and your nervous system is intimately linked to the gut. Everybody thinks about serotonin, right? Serotonin is what we use. You know, we treat serotonin deficiency with antidepressants. That theory is, should be long gone, but we're still doing that in the psychiatric. Kind of like the cholesterol theory. 
Yeah, exactly. We exactly. Uh, disputed that in the 90s, but some people right. still believe it. Right. Great theory, but it hasn't panned out. So let's try something new. But we keep pushing SSRIs, sertraline, you know, Prozac, all of these, these medications out onto people. People don't realize that serotonin alone is actually not, it doesn't predominate in the central nervous system. It predominates in the gut. So, uh, which is why Zofran or Ondansetron, it's a, it's a, it, it, it operates uh, in order to um, prevent and to treat nausea through its, its, its uh, effects on, um, on the gut. And it also causes constipation because it hits some of those serotonin receptors. So, so we know all of this. The problem is, is that we continue as doctors to advertise this as, hey, it doesn't have any, any risks. It doesn't have any downsides. Um, on, the, on the worst the, the most extreme downsides, they are described and they are low risk, but hey, your risk of having a stroke is super low. You instead don't have to worry about having a baby. Just it's a low risk, but hey, do you want to try this pill? And they have them sitting right here, free samples. Here's your first pack. You walk out the door and now you've disrupted your guts. You've disrupted your immune system, your nervous system, your endocrine system. And then when women come off of these pills, you know, heaven forbid they had a, a blood clot to the lungs or a stroke or something wow. like that. There are all contraindications, but sometimes you don't even know you have the conditions that predispose you to that until you've had the event happen while you've been on birth control, which is the, which is a really scary. And it is a low absolute risk to everybody's credit. But anyways, you come off of that and you're like, I can see the world again. It's like going from black and white to color. And that's because all of these systems have been disrupted. But hey, at least your acne cleared up or hey, at least you didn't get pregnant. So mm -hmm. going back to what we were talking about, Amy, about informed consent, I think it would be more honest if we said, listen, there are ways to not get pregnant that aren't going to disrupt all of these other systems. Here's exactly how it's all going to happen. Here's what could happen to you. Here's the really bad things. Here's the likely things that are going to make you feel insidiously less vital, less attracted to your partner, et cetera, all for the purpose of, for, for example, preventing pregnancy. Let's list all of that out. And then if they say, I understand that, my sister went through that, she had all those things, I am really, really excited about taking this birth control. Fine. Yeah. You've made your decision, but mm -hmm. and I've been honest in giving you the information so you can mm -hmm. make that decision. So that's, I will stop there for to pause, but that is the big issue around informed consent as it pertains to this. But there are, there are far more, um, I think, dangerous aspects of how this is being prescribed that we can get into after. Yes. Well, I think too, like, okay, I went on the pill when I was in college because I was deathly afraid of uh, getting pregnant. I had a very serious boyfriend. And all I know is that, wow, was he hot. And uh, wow, it didn't take long being on the, the pill. And all of a sudden, I don't know, my libido kind of just like took a slow boat to China. It was, and, and he, he was still as hot as I remember, but it changed everything. Uh, you know, I remember the risk being, it's very low risk. Don't worry. As long as your family has no history of heart attacks or blood clots and you don't smoke, right? Okay. You don't smoke and you're not obese. So you probably should be good. And that's all we were really told other than, you know, might have weight gain. You might have a little right. breakthrough bleeding, right. but little did I know that what was happening was even the small amount of bleeding that you had every month was not in fact a period. Right. And I was on a very low dose, quote unquote, whatever that means. So for all those people listening, and like you mentioned, there are many different uh, versions of the pill nowadays with different dosages and, you know, 
chemical, you know, concoctions. From my understanding and research, it it really doesn't matter. It's all the same. It's all disrupting your body's natural rhythms, which controls everything from how you look, feel, smell, taste, uh, sleep, you know, all of it, your hair, skin, nails. I mean, this is all affected. Um, And the other scary thing is there's no long-term studies. You know, we don't know when, and unfortunately the doctors only know what they're told. So they don't know what they don't know. But what this, what the movie reveals is a lot of, um, we're told about the clotting and those risks, but we're not taught about all the people, not only that have died and some of them are, are talked about in the documentary, but that had paralysis and all these other, adverse uh, direct effects from the pill that uh, didn't result in death, but still, I don't want that, you know? So we we don't have informed consent. We were told that, you know, basically you're not going to have a period and it might clear up your skin, and, and that was that. And, and we had no idea, not only the short-term effects, but the long-term, because I want to get into that too, about how when women eventually go off the pill, Little do they know that the, the effects of being on the pill, which by the for that matter was only FDA approved for short term use, yeah. it was never approved to start it when you're like 14 and be on it for two decades. For 20 you know? years, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's nuts. So I mean, I guess it's just our fear of becoming pregnant or wanting to clear up our skin or maybe even PCOS, which is another common treatment. Um, it overrides our logical brain really trying to, you know, look a little bit deeper. Okay. What am I really doing to my body long-term? Right. Right. And that's sad. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, I think the, the other big giant thing that I wanted to make sure we talked about is actually related to that. And it's not so much even that uh, I already elaborated why birth control might lead to other health issues, Mm -hmm. but more importantly, Let's say that you started your period when you were 15 and you didn't have birth control because you weren't sexually active. Maybe you were raised in a very strict Christian household and it wasn't even like on your radar, but then you hit 25 and your normal regular cycles, you've got 13 per year if it's, if it's quote normal and in alignment with nature because there's 13 mm-hmm. lunar cycles. Let's say that they were normal up until like age 22, age 23, age 24, 25, you decide this is off. I'm not having a period every month. Like something's up here. You go on birth control and then at age 32, or let's say 30, only five years later, you then come off of the birth control and now you want to get pregnant and you're not able to get pregnant. People blame that on the birth control pill. Maybe. More importantly though, and more likely is, why did your periods start going haywire after five or six years of normal bleeding? And when we say normal bleeding, everybody, we're talking like there's a wide range, 21 to 35 days roughly is a normal length of a cycle. But if you're having 13 bleeds per year, even if it's off by a couple of days here and there, you're fairly normal and you're not bleeding, exsanguinating, hemorrhaging for a week. You're maybe having like, I don't know, three really, really bad days of bleeding. And then you've got a couple of days before and after of spotting and then some discharge afterwards. Like that would be a pretty normal pattern. So there's a wide range of what's considered normal. But let's say that they were normal and then they went out, they went out of whack and then you went on the birth control pill. The, this is the biggest challenge for me. And this is what I got called to the principal's office over and over and over again in residency for. What upstream of this 
caused the cycles to start to become abnormal? Was yes. it something related to exercise, to lack of sleep, to diet, stress. to 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 stress, to really, really crappy chemicals sprayed on your grass? Was it something related to your thyroid, which might have been, again, related to any of those things? Were your adrenals out of whack? Do you have a freaking brain tumor? Like nobody looked, nobody looked. So now you're 30 and you're wondering, why am I not able to get pregnant? They said, I'll come off the pill and I'll be able to get pregnant. It's because nobody investigated the upstream cause of why your periods became dysfunctional from the beginning. And you're five years in, plus you just totally deregulated yourself. Right. And you've actually done worse. You Mm -hmm. now have other medical issues Mm -hmm. for all the reasons I described before. Wow. So we're doing, it's not just even a matter of informed consent. It's also like we need to be doing our jobs. Like if we did all of that time in the library and whatnot, let's put our brains to work. It's just too easy and, and, and uh, incentivized in a lot of ways to find the problem and prescribe the pill. It's just become so easy for doctors to yes. do that. <clears throat> Not to mention the pharma reps are bringing us lunch or whatever else. Like, I don't even know if that's allowed anymore, but it used to be that you would go on golf trips with a Pfizer rep or they'd take mm-hmm. you to the hockey game or whatever else. And I've only taken advantage of that once when I was in medical school and it was the most lavish meal. They were like, order extra, take some home mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like, holy smokes, this is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, without even going down that path, Like if you're a doctor and you've got the training and you want to tout yourself as an expert, well, show, show your patients something for all of that work. Start to ask questions. Be curious. Why did it go from normal, let's say 29 day cycles to now maybe three or four periods in the year in that same issue that's, that's causing this dysfunction is very likely also going to show up whenever they're trying to get pregnant. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're now older. Now they have less ovarian reserve and they're like, they're blaming the birth control pill. And it could have been, but you know, you mentioned PCOS. That's a really interesting lifestyle inter uh, it's, it's something that could be intervened in with lifestyle because there's a degree of insulin resistance. There's this hyper this hyper androgenism that comes with it. And your, your body is not ovulating. You're creating follicles, but they're not opening up and releasing an egg every cycle. So what's going on there? Of course you have fertility issues because you're not ovulating, but there's all these other things like you get the obesity and you get the insulin, the hair loss. Like there's, well, and actually they also get, they actually, because of, they have so many. Oh, and then more hair. Androgens, they get hair. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And their chest and their nipples and their And the male parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) all of this is to say, of course, we all people listening to your show are not going to be a stranger to this, but doctors are never being incentivized to investigate, to put in the time and the resources to investigate what caused this in the first place. Yeah. Instead, they're being incentivized to provide the quickest cure possible. And they may even get a promotion because of how many people they're able to see in clinic on a given day. Mm-hmm. For me, I sometimes have like years before I can really fully get a person's you know, system back on track because mm-hmm. they weren't breastfed. They were born by C-section. Sorry. They've been eating crappy. They've got glyphosate all over their yard you know, they've been on birth control, like they've got all these things. It took years to develop it. It's at least going to take months and maybe a couple of years to get you back. Mm -hmm. And that is not what I would have been paid to do as an OBGYN, sadly. And that's why I had to completely step away. It wasn't Mm -hmm. fun anymore because I can't actually be curious. I can't ask the questions. Mm -hmm. Heaven forbid I make somebody apprehensive about doing something because I've talked about some of the risks. 
And you can't do your job with good conscience because you feel like you're really not doing a full service to the client. You know, you're, you know, you're not into the Band-Aid yeah. thing. I mean, I, yeah. I came yeah. across in my research, Nathan, that only about a quarter of all the women who were actually prescribed the pill take it for prevention of getting right. pregnant. Yeah. Whereas, so that's obviously the vast majority are to treat symptoms of other, other things. I mean, that's like having a headache and taking an, an aspirin and think, oh, it took care of my symptom, but not looking at, oh, maybe I'm dehydrated, like the number one cause of headaches. Maybe, you know, I'm, you know, around computers too much. I mean, you know, let's let's think of what's causing the headache in the first place. It's, one, it's okay, you know, take the aspirin, but, you know, you don't want to keep taking aspirin. So birth control pill, to your analogy, is similar, yeah. you know, to, yeah. uh, you know, any of these other issues. Um, yeah, we prescribe um, it for everything under the sun. Yeah, and with the with the mindset that it's benign. And what our whole point of today's show, as well as these documentaries, is that it is most certainly not benign. And unfortunately, a lot of the research is not shared at all, and or it's not even done. Like there, like we said, there are no long term studies. And um, you know, in Europe and other countries, a lot of these devices are pulled from the market. They're they're not used because they're dangerous. I I read between three and six hundred women die a year. Yeah. which is basically like two big planes crashing every year, but no one talks about that, not to mention all the other adverse effects, changes in your mood, your personality, decreased libido, your energy flatlines because you've decreased your testosterone, so your, incre your strength, your ability to maintain muscle, your recovery from exercise, all that goes down. And changes in uh, you know your lubrication during sex, you have trouble getting wet, uh, vitamin deficiencies, magnesium, so that's your pain, your ability to sleep, your recovery from exercise, ability to relax, vitamin C deficiencies, zinc, selenium, B12, folate, CoQ10. Um, these are all uh, decreased on the pill. And don't think you can diet or supplement your way around that and stay on the pill. It doesn't work that way. Um, right. Also, research has shown effects on your brain. It increases the chance that you're going to have addictions, be it to anything, work, shopping, food, chocolate, alcohol, anything. And it decreases your ability to pick up social cues, which being on the pill. So there's lots of direct effects on the brain. Very scary. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm very impressed by that list. I mean, that's a really <laughs> comprehensive list. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. I, I wasn't sure that that was uh, that was where I was even going to go by listing the list because it's so long. It's like there, every one of your body systems is going to be impacted by a, a laboratory-produced synthetic endocrine disruptor. And uh, let's, I mean, you you listed a bunch of mineral and nutrient deficiencies. Mm -hmm. You can't out supplement. You can't. Um, it would be like driving your car with a broken engine, pushing it down to the auto mechanics place and getting a new paint job by supplementing when you're on something as toxic as a, as a birth control pill. Um, we talked about the gut microbiome. That alone, and given all the connections I mentioned, you now have a microbiome of an imbalance in the bacteria. And when you eat food, you're not feeding your body. You're feeding the bacteria in your intestines. This is a symbiotic relationship with a host of viruses, which outnumber the bacteria 10 to 1. Viruses, bacteria, yeast, um, I mean, you name it. I mean, there's, there are so many microorganisms. In fact, I think the number in your gut probably outnumbers your actual body cells. That's definitely true. I've definitely like heard that. A million. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> like we are more 
not us than we are us. Exactly. <laughs> so to speak. Exactly. You know? so, so when you eat anything, whether yeah. it's a supplement from some yeah. expensive brand or you uh-huh. eat uh, vegetables from your garden, it is all being sorted out, metabolized, and then the byproducts of that are being facilitated across the lining of your intestines into the bloodstream by your microbiome. So if you're going to take something that disrupts your microbiome, it is probably the single worst thing you can do for yourself because you are going to put your state yourself into a state of disrepair that can't actually even be fixed until we've repaired the gut, which is why most of my clients, we start with just like, we got to get your gut back in order. Because like I said, a lot of us haven't been breastfed. We haven't, we were born Mm -hmm. by C-section. We're on antibiotics our whole life. We get all Mm -hmm. these vaccines and everything's messed up in addition to, you know, um, 10 years on a birth control pill. So if you don't have a, a healthy microbiome, you can't absorb food. It doesn't, it could be the most expensive, high quality food in the world. You're not going to get anything out of it. You're just going to poop it out because you don't have a healthy balance of beneficial versus pathologic bacteria in your intestinal lumen. Love that you said that. And just to underscore your point that, you know, the GALT, the gut uh, associated lymphatic tissue, that 80% of your immune system is in your gut. And, you know, with everything going on with the virus scare and all this crazy, or people coming into winter, you know, you you just, you got to eat your way to a strong immune system. You know, it's very, very important. Um, But yeah, I never knew that the pill caused leaky gut. I mean, that alone right there is just like, you know, and what's the, what's the, um, the Eastern philosophy is that all health and disease starts in the colon, you know, because that's a huge interface to the world. Right. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. I'm here with my friend Hannah of Seab and Solace, my favorite new skincare company and self-care. Hannah, your company has changed my life. I use the products every day. Tell us about the name of your company. Why did you call it Seab and Solace? Seab, actually in Farsi, means apple, and apple in the Persian New Year is used on our table as a representation of health, wellness, and beauty. And solace is a sort of like soothing aspect of that. And in English, it means soothing, it means calming. A skincare company that helps soothe at the same time receiving these uh, sustainable ingredients that actually benefit your skin and your, your gut. Please try it out, Seab and Solace. Enter the special coupon code FITAMYTV10, all caps, at checkout, and you'll save 10%. Um, so, Nathan, you know, as we come toward the end here, um, the pill, from my understanding, basically holds us in a constant state. And, you know, women have probably heard this before, that we are cyclical. We are not like the masculine that's kind of constant. We we are governed by and with the moon. The moon has phases and cycles, as does the feminine. And it's nothing to be ashamed of that you're not consistent. You know, everyone thinks this is a good thing. Be consistent, right? Well, when you're a woman, you're going to be more cyclical, and that's nothing to be ashamed of. And in fact, it should be encouraged because it's the natural cycle of the, you know, the period where you're ovulating, the period where you're follicular and you're luteal and all this stuff. So my understanding, I'd like you to just go into this a little bit so we understand the, the normal cyclical nature and how the pill disrupts this. But my understanding is that going on the birth control pill holds us in only one phase permanently, and that is the luteal phase, which is also known as, quote unquote, a masculine state of being, which I thought is very interesting for my audience, Awakening Aphrodite, because it's holding you in kind of like a masculine energetic place 
permanently, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, we're not supposed to be there permanently. So and can you can you enlighten us about this, these cycles and the, what the pill's doing? That's a really beautiful intro to this topic, Amy. I hadn't actually thought of it as masculine versus feminine uh, mm. parts of the cycle, but I, I actually think you're onto something there. Mm. Um, to give an additional sort of uh, to piggyback on that that preface, there is a if you go out into the woods or let's say you go, you leave your phone at home and you're like out of cell service and you just lay in the woods and just listen to what's happening. You'll hear the song of different birds and different insects changing as the sun is rising and the moon is falling. And you can watch like the stars, you know, trans, you know, just kind of shifting. They're, they're mm. shifting across mm -hmm. the sky overnight and you get, the sense that there's like a rhythm here. Mm -hmm. There's a reason you get tired at night. And of course, you know, we always boil it down to cortisol and melatonin, but it's actually more beautiful than that. There's a reason your body actually needs to go into a state of hibernation for eight to 10 hours a day in order to like recover. Like you have some deep work on the astral and the eye level, like your etheric and your mineral body need to heal and these astral and I need to actually step back a little bit. So you go into this vegetative state and all this magical stuff happens, you know? If we just appreciate what happens in nature, like there's nothing that tells the tree it's time to change your colors. Like they all kind of are in this flow. Perhaps there is something that tells the tree it's time to change your color. But the point being that there is a Bill Gates. flow. <laughs> yeah, Bill, Bill Gates shoot something me. up into the sky. I couldn't help it. Oh God! <laughs> Since when is a, a dorky, you know, software developer the one who dictates health policy? Don't even get me started. Who didn't even develop Microsoft? Asshole. He stole yeah. it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, so the 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 rhythms and flow, this flow in nature is a natural, beautiful thing that we all love. We love the seasons up in uh, in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. you know, where I'm from in Pittsburgh. Oh God, I love mm -hmm. LA, but they don't have the seasons. There's something Florida's beautiful. Florida's the same. I miss it in Florida. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then if you go to the beach, you see the tide rises during the day and then eventually goes all the way out. Like we mm -hmm. love this part of nature, the change. but, but mm -hmm. we've been at war with nature for several hundred centuries. And um, we don't like the idea that there's going to be an inconsistency, like you said, in how things are going to be feeling during the ah. day, during the week, the month, the year. Never thought of it like that, Nathan. So that uncertainty makes us afraid. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, we want insecure. Wow. We want to know what's coming. I never thought and, about that. You know, this this war that we've had with nature has manifested in medicine as um as a tagline for birth control. Hey, you don't need to have those pesky periods. And if you add on to that, several millennia whereby women were being shamed and, and they were considered unhygienic for having a bleed. I mean, mm -hmm. I read, I did this really great podcast on the his, a brief history of Western medicine that Fantastic. I told you about. Oh, oh you I listened it? to it. Oh, good. Everybody, I, I should put down the show notes. It's phenomenal. Oh, I, I'm very proud of it. That's the only reason. You should I, be. That's it a was lot a of lot work. of, it was a lot of work. And there was one line in there that really stuck with me from this really old text from like the, you know, 17th century. It was of course, church doctrine, doctrine that was, you know, I, I'll paraphrase because I don't remember it exactly, but mm -hmm. you know, the, the fact that a baby comes through the vagina is just more, um, it's just more evidence of how God is, 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 is identifying us as sinners. You know, it comes through this wow. opening 
between where the urine and the feces come from. Just another one of, uh, of another sinner that's going to have to, to work oh, through transgressions. So sad. So well, please, I mean, our periods were known as the curse. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I mean, <laughs> so the source of your magic, your sexuality was the abs absolutely the target of the church and state over many, many, many years. It was the highlight of the witch hunts that anybody who has a vulva is at a 50-50 chance going to be burned at the stake or worse, tortured until they, they accuse a couple other people in their village of being witches. And a lot of women were just being women. And if you were, if you were lusting at all, if your husband was lusting, it could be blamed on you. So absolutely. So you've been shamed long enough. And if now a woman was raped. She was killed. Exactly. Was yeah, because she mm -hmm. tempted him. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is absurd guys. And if a woman came to a man in his dreams, she was killed. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, mm -hmm. this is some bad juju yeah. we've circulated and in that shame, the, the shame that women have carried over the years through the Protestant and Catholic lenses. I'm sorry, guys, the, the Christian church has done so much harm, a lot of good as well, but so much harm. And, and women are still carrying this burden. So when your doctor says, hey, you don't have to have that pesky period. Oh, you're going to bleed through your pants. You don't want that silly thing. They're offering you a way of taking yourself out of the 13 cycles in alignment with the lunar cycles. They're disconnecting you from nature, whether they're doing it intentionally. I'm not so sure that they're that thoughtful about it, mm -hmm. but it is no surprise that we use language like you don't need to have that pesky period. Well, I know I'm, I'm a man. I've never had a period. I know it seems like a privileged place to say this. But your 13 cycles a year are the greatest gift. It connects you directly with the circadian and other rhythms of nature, the lunar cycles, the astrological cycles, our seasons. Women are so connected to nature and the birth control pill amputates that connection. So it's no wonder that women feel totally out of sorts when they're on the pill for a prolonged period of time. And, um, and I'll, so, so the reason I'm saying all of this is that and I'll talk about the cycle. I know that was your question, but the reason I'm saying all of this is that I really think that we need a cultural shift around embracing menstruation as opposed to shaming and being grossed out by it. Because it's not. Yes, it's blood. Who gives a shit? You have blood circulating through your eyeballs right now. And you're, you as a woman have a fifth vital sign, which is that if something is up with your cycles, it was normally this, um, this yes. length. Now my cycles are this length something's off. You've been gifted with an opportunity to investigate that. And your OBGYN has squelched that opportunity and placed you on a pill that is also screwing up a bunch of other uh, body systems. I'm so glad you said that because basically you're, you're saying is your period is basically your own personal health barometer report card. As to yeah, how forget about doing. the aura ring and right. all Right, yeah, it's it's your, your cycle is telling you. Yeah, it's like yeah. a it's like a man waking up with an erection or not, you know, like that's yeah. telling you the state yeah. of your stress level, your hormones, right. your self-care. Where and, and what you're saying, I love this, is that the pill basically just totally just dismantles that completely. Yeah, yeah. That's gone. you have no clue no. what's going on. And I also need mm -hmm. to say, Amy, for yes. everybody out there listening, the bleeding you have on the pill is not a period. Yes. It is not the same. The hormones that they that they describe in these these pills, these synthetic estrogen, these synthetic versions that look like estrogen and progesterone, they are not hormones. They are doing harm in your body, and that may be okay with you. You may be willing to set to to mm -hmm. 
compromise that and that's okay but i want you to know it is not the same as having a normal menstrual cycle Mm -hmm. there's nothing similar except that there is a red substance coming out of your vagina and it's not a period you're just it's really breaks breakthrough bleeding it's not an actual period yeah we we call it withdrawal bleeding oh Mm -hmm. so let's talk a little about the cycle because since you brought it up because that Mm -hmm. is really helpful to understand this so assume you have a 28 day cycle again it could be 21 to 35 days your cycle is day one of your period here to day one of the next cycle your period is the number of days that you go from a full fresh that fresh full day of flow to like a little scanty discharge that's your period that's the bleeding but the cycle is from day one of the first first bleed to day one of the next bleed Mm -hmm. you start by your bleeding your bleeding is day one and then for the next in in a 28 day cycle it'll be somewhere around 14 days that you're developing follicles and those follicles um, are basically little cysts that form in your ovaries. And each of those follicles contains an egg, an ovum. So as the follicles are growing, one of them is going to predominate. And now in, the follicles are producing a bunch of estrogen. So this is the follicular phase. The follicles are growing. The follicular phase is before ovulation. And as all these follicles are developing, you might have like 10 on each ovary, but there's going to be one that dominates over all of them. The one ring to rule them all, as I call it. That's going to be the one that starts to actually produce far more estrogen and become way more sensitive to hormones from the brain, specifically follicle-stimulating hormone that triggers the release of something called luteinizing hormone from the brain. Mm -hmm. And that dominant follicle is going to rupture and release the ovum. It's caught by the end of the fallopian tube, and it travels up there hoping to meet a sperm. Wow. What a miracle. It's an, and it's incredible. And while that's happening, the remaining follicle that has released the egg, it actually becomes a little endocrine organ of itself. It's beautiful, this process, and starts to secrete high, high amounts of progesterone, real progesterone, nothing like that, that synthetic crap that your, Endogenous. that your birth control pill has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that high level of progesterone causes changes in the architecture of the endometrial lining. It supports this early embryonic development and helps to support a healthy pregnancy. So you've ovulated. Once you've the, the egg the egg is released from the follicle, that little corpus luteal cyst is what remains of that follicle. The egg is now traveling through the tube. We're in the luteal phase. And if that egg meets a sperm, they create a little embryo which implants in the lining of the uterus, which is all ready. It's, it's perfectly, the bed is made. It's, it's ready for some, some baby magic. Um, if it doesn't meet, the the uh, if the the egg doesn't meet a sperm, you're going to have um, a drop in the amount of progesterone because there's no need for it because the purpose of the progesterone was to support that early pregnancy, and uh, and the the egg just kind of it kind of withers away, um, the corpus luteum withers away because there hasn't been any signal that there's been fertilization, and that precipitous drop in progesterone actually is sort of like taking the mortar out of a brick wall in the wall just falls. So you're right. It is sort of like an overflow. It's a, what did you call it? What was the word you used? It's a, uh, Oh, uh, breakthrough bleeding. Mm-hmm. Kind of like breakthrough, but we use that term for something else. In yes. Technology, but Not the right regardless. Term. Yeah. And, and that's how the cycle starts anew. Interesting. So, um, awesome. I have to think about the energetics, uh, mm-hmm. because you're right. It is, it is really a, um, <laughs> It's, it's kind of an interesting, I have to think a little bit about mm. the masculine feminine, but 
let's also consider that the masculine state does tend generally tend to be a little bit more stable Mm-hmm. And if you're taking birth control, you are not seeing this incredible fluctuation in hormones and the yeah. follicular phase, estrogen and FSH are on the rise. And then middle, you get this yeah. spike in luteinizing hormone. And then you get in the luteal phase, this spike in progesterone in this incredible ballet, just like we talked about with the ballet um, dancers. It, they're all just grooving and moving. And there's this beautiful dance happening. And if a baby is going to happen, then you get a shift and the body starts putting resources towards that. If not, then you start the cycle anew. Mm-hmm. And when you're on birth control, you're getting a steady amount of hormones. There are different types of birth control. Some of them have, have varying degrees yeah. week by week, but it also presumes that you have a 28-day cycle. So you're basically telling the body, hey, forget about that 22-day cycle you've had since you were 16. You're now going to have 28 days and bam, we're going to trigger a bleed. Bam, wow. we're going to trigger a bleed. So it, it, it's it's very reductive in the way that it views it. It actually does such a disservice to how beautiful the endocrine system and these reproductive cycles yeah. work. I mean, it's just it, it's just it's such a it's such a shame that we don't embrace the beauty of this system. Well, that's a beautiful explanation of kind of the the, the cycle and what's happening to women in our bodies. Because, you know, we just don't know all this stuff, you know. And and like I was saying, you know, in culture, we're kind of like taught to think, you know, you want to be consistent and be the same and be reliable. And, yeah, there's something to that for sure. But we can't go against our very nature. And, you know, and I love that you mentioned feeling connected because – you know, we're, we're all governed by the clock, right? And, and our schedules and, what, and our responsibilities. And that's all important. I get it, right? But what a beautiful thought to just take a pause and pay attention to the moon cycles and the nature cycles and try to just bring some kind of smidgen of awareness to your daily life of trying to a little bit get on a cycle of, of getting in tune with all of life. And maybe just maybe you'll start feeling better if you do, you know, just, just bring it into your mindset a little bit and see if that helps. Yeah. I mean, on the, on the deepest, darkest conspiratorial uh, sort of wavelength here, you could say, well, we don't want women to be so connected. Men are not connected Mm. to nature. Like women are, women are inextricably linked with nature. So you could go down that path and say, well, maybe they, we don't want women to be connected to their, to nature. Cause that's a, a power that we have no control over. And I don't really believe that doctors are doing that for that reason. Like they're not part of some mafia somewhere, Illuminati or whatever else. I mean, perhaps they are, I, who knows, but I think a lot of doctors are just like, they've been, they've been, they've been become married to this narrative that it's important that women have the ability to go to work and do these things and not always be carrying a child because they can't be productive in society. And when we only incentivize productivity, mm. of course it, that makes sense. I think that what we need, again, that, that, that term cultural malpractice, which I took from a friend of mine, Stephen Jenkins, an incredible writer, mm. this cultural malpractice, it actually, I think it would be a boon to our society if we did start becoming a little bit more connected with nature. And women have this natural connection, but they're on these these, these toxic substances that actually disconnect them from that. Now, yeah. it's not my job to say that women should or shouldn't be you know, cautious about getting pregnant or whatever, but our whole, when we only value productivity, we actually are teaching women that it's not okay to be a woman. 
-hmm. And that's actually like really bad. I think that that actually is, is a pathology in and of itself in our society. But that's also probably another four hours of conversation because yeah. I think about this stuff all day long. Me too, Nathan. It's a big part of my show, Awakening Aphrodite, you know, just that's like right. yeah. giving us permission to take your foot off the gas. Yeah. I mean, what, what would you be like for as a driver if you only pressed on the gas? <laughs> you know what I mean? How well would you drive, you know? Sure. Um, so sure. super important. And I'll just add too that, you know, this whole demonizing of our whole period thing and, you know, popping a tampon, keep going without giving thought and respect to the fact, no, your body is physically and chemically different as well as your mind during times of the month, as well as definitely your period, right down, like I mentioned, your strength and your ability to recover and, you know, whether it's a good day to do CrossFit or not, you know, and not just because your schedule says so, you know, and there, there has to be a broader, more compassionate, um, inclusive mindset, I think. Yeah, and totally. Only going to result in us being happier. Plus, you know, the ancient cultures knew that the menstrual blood was sacred blood. Right. You know, it was it was what was put into the earth to help grow the crops, and yeah. you know, it was it was the total opposite of something to be ashamed of. It was right. celebrated and venerated, and it was something like congratulations, and you know, you can now produce life. I mean, they drank the uh, the menstrual blood at, at yeah. uh, blood rites. I mean, that's right. what they right. were. So it's totally yeah. just turned on its head. But maybe this is the very beginning of it coming back. So. What yeah, we're getting at is... I, oh, I want to add, yeah, add something in there to that mm. because mm -hmm. in, in the work I did around this one solo cast that I mentioned before, mm. you go back all the way to early the earliest written human history, our cosmologies were very different. It wasn't this dualistic, you know, God and the devil. There was actually so many deities. Some of them governed over the corn. Some of them grow, governed over mm. this and that. And we had, at the height of most most let's say advanced societies you know it's hard to say that because we don't have the written a comprehensive written human history of everything that's ever happened over the past million years but the when we look at ancient sumer we look at ancient greece etc at the peak of their uh advancement you know in the in literature in the arts in fertility etc there was an honoring of of the female, and it was even reflected in cosmologies. It was oftentimes polytheistic societies, or um, so in some of these societies, the gods were androgynous, or they were bisexual, or they were feminine. They were female. Mm -hmm. They were very feminine energy dominant. And you know, if you consider like Demeter, Persephone, and then Demeter—that is, you know, kind of uh, when Persephone had a child, Demeter then becoming the grandmother of Persephone's child, you have a different trinity from the, the son, the ghost, the Holy Spirit, that whatever, yeah. father, son, the, the Holy Spirit. And, and the reason I say all of this is that as you saw those societies embrace and then later decline, uh, not even decline, let's say change their cosmologies, cosmologies such that it was a man governing over earth versus power coming from within earth and earth being inextricably linked with women, you actually saw these societies decline. So the mm. changing cosmologies, the, the, the devaluing of the feminine, of women as a whole, is a, is a surefire sign that things are going to end badly. And that's exactly where we are in our country and in most of the world, where women are devalued for being women. Um, you know, on, on the one yeah. side of the masculine, Jordan Peterson's doing a lot of work out there to, to embolden men to embrace their masculinity. 
what's happening on the side of women. It's shows like yours that are saying, it's okay to be a woman. Emily Abbott, Sarah Charmoli, um, you know, Angie Check, like there's yeah. Sarah Gustafson, like Jade yeah. Bryce, all these incredible women out there are talking about- Aaron. Em- yeah, Aaron, embracing your femininity, which inherently is a part of that is your sexuality. Like it's okay that you're a woman. You don't have to out-masculine a man in order to have value. But our society absolutely is asking that of women. And the first step is you can't do that if you're, you can't hit it hard in the gym every single day if you're having an inconvenient pesky bleed or if you're raising babies or whatever else. Like what happened to honoring this incredible sacred, uh, this, this incredible force that women carry in order to create life? You know, I don't know where we went astray. I guess I have my ideas, but if we can't change that, this this malpractice around the valuing or devaluing of women, we're not going to get anywhere. This goes way beyond the birth control pill, but I do think the birth control pill is the linchpin in um, in really illustrating just how far astray we've gone mm-hmm. from embracing the feminine in all of us, not just in people who identify as female. Wow, wow, wow. So true, Nathan. And you know, and I'll just add too, but not for nothing, but how boring life would be if it was just so constant, (laughs) right? I mean, thank God for the feminines, like unpredictable highs, lows, whatever. I mean, it just like makes things a little bit interesting, you know? I mean, she is the storm, you know, she's, she is unpredictable and, and maybe for medicine that's scary because it can't be controlled. You know, it can't be anticipated, right. it, you know, right. and, but what we're getting at, I guess, is the, one of the dangers of the pill is to, or at least to be aware that you are flatlining not only your body, but also your, your mind, your brain. Like you mentioned in the beginning, so many women have reported hundreds and thousands of women when they come off the pill that it's kind of like the veil is lifted and they see color rather than, you know, black and white. But I think the, some of the, the scary thing, Nathan, is, you know, like so much of health, we don't know what it is to feel amazing because right. right. this right. becomes normal for us to feel like shit and be tired all the time. So we don't know what we don't know, you know, and when you're on the pill for 20 years since you're 16 you and, and you think you're having good sex and your libido's good and you like your choice of partner, you don't know how you would be if you were unregulated, if you were normally following your body's own innate right. wisdom we don't right. know because that now is taken off the table with something synthetic that's that's your engine you know so back to the movie so the the movie the business of birth control is by ricky lake abby epstein it's their documentaries you can only find them on their website streaming they they purposely said they didn't want them on outlets like amazon and all these Netflix others cause, and whatnot yeah because yep, mm-hmm. they wanted to retain the control uh, if you, this is for the audience, if you feel so inclined to make a contribution, a donation, I'm sure it'd be very much appreciated because this is all something that's a grassroots thing, but it's taken the world by storm. Do you want to talk, uh, uh, as we get toward the end here about the documentary, your thoughts on it or main points or anything? Yeah, else? I, I think, you know, in 90 minutes, I think they did a really, really nice job of clarifying just how complicated this, this conversation yeah. is around birth control. And, and I also want to reiterate that it's not a matter of, of right and wrong. It's a matter of what's right for you. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of other things that we could be doing for young women who are interested, like 
talking about fertility tracking, talking about changes in cervical mucus, talking about the genitalia. Um, what is a cervix? Like, like what is going mm -hmm. on in my cycle? Like just talking about the rise in body temperature, the change in the position of the cervix. Like these are all things that um, haven't been taught because we, we either think young women can't handle it or we don't think it's right to teach them that. Well, based on what? Like based on who? And it does come- Or we don't think it's important. Or it's not important, <laughs> yeah. How is that relevant really to the, why does it matter? Yeah. Like right. it's not, there's no respect for it, you know, right. or reverence. Right. And, and so the one really important takeaway from the film is that there are other ways to prevent pregnancy apart from breaking your body down by putting in these synthetic endocrine disruptors. The fertility awareness methods, basically, like I just described, you're tracking basal body temperature, cervical mucus. Um, you're even kind of checking out like, are my breasts tender? Am I... Am I going to be getting my period soon? Am I ovulating? Am I getting one-sided pain, which is called middle schmerz? It's this kind of, uh, I don't know, it's like, a, it's, like a, it's like an achy kind of sharp pain sometimes in one of the ovaries or the other. If that ovary cracked open, it has to remodel itself to go back to its normal state in order to start the cycle again. Wow. Teaching somebody about that is not just, hey, you need to be well-versed in anatomy and physiology you'll also learn that, okay, I'm starting to see my cervical mucus going from dry to sticky into now like an egg white consistency. And mm -hmm. I've entered my fertile window, which is going to be four to six days. That's it. Out for of everybody. You can That's only get pregnant only about four to six days a month. That's it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So if, if a man ejaculates inside of your vagina while your cervical mucus is, is stringy like egg whites, everybody knows what egg whites feel like. Mm-hmm you can get pregnant. If not, you can't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So not only have you learned more about your body, you've become more in touch with yourself, with nature, your cycles are completely intact. Mm -hmm. You can follow your period with the moon. It's all a beautiful way to get to know yourself better. And you have a completely organic, dare I say, way of knowing that if sperm is introduced at this time, I can get pregnant. And if you're how not- How empowering. How empowering, yeah. And, and I mean- Talk about personal responsibility. If you aren't seeing those changes in your cervical mucus or whatever, or you're not having regular predictable bleeds, now you have an opportunity to say, what changed in my life? Am I yeah. too stressed out? Am I exercising too much, et cetera? You don't get that fifth vital sign if you're on a constant supply of synthetic, quote, hormones every single day for 10 years. So mm -hmm. you miss out on the opportunity to actually get to know your health and take and take some... Um, have the opportunity to take advantage of this vital sign in order to make lifestyle modifications, find coaches like you and Paul and Angie and Sarah and all these great people out there who can actually help you get those things under control. And, and myself, of course, um, if you're on birth control, we just don't know. Like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And we've mm -hmm. put, we've got such a big bandaid over some mm -hmm. underlying health issue from all the years on hormonal contraception that it's no surprise mm -hmm. that so many women are struggling with fertility. And um, and so I guess if, I guess that's, that was my big takeaway from the film is that there are other ways and yeah. you should know why perhaps seeking other ways could be advantageous to you and your partner. Brilliant. And my, and mine was that it's not benign. And, and to the point of the very beginning of the show, everyone, this is just about trying to get more information out there for the whole story. So you get all more information to make truly an informed decision what's best for you. If your acne is crazy, PCOS, or you're just in a situation 
and you're like, you know what? I get it. I'm, I'm taking all the risks. I'm hearing everything. I did all the research, but I'm going to do it. Great. If you decide, no, it's not for me. I'm going to look up other options. Great. Whatever it is. But you know, this is just about helping people be empowered. That's what it's about. And I, I will mention that their website, which is, um, what is it, Nathan? The, the business of dot life is where you can find all of their films. I don't the think business the business of being dot born is on Netflix anymore, but it used no, to be. No, it's not. I had to stream it on their website. Okay. But I just wanted to add that. Wow. You guys, they have tremendous resources on their website that you can find non-hormonal birth control options, fertile fertility awareness stuff, stuff on male contraception, yeah. and even their recommendations for brands of condoms, amazing list of books to learn yeah. more, yeah. websites to go to, um, like the work of Dr. Jolene Brighton, which I'm sure you're familiar with, yep. with her yeah. book, Beyond the Pill. She actually talks about a syndrome, the post-birth control syndrome that she's actually coined and she's put together a program to help women recover yeah. uh, after going off the birth control pill because it's deregulated their body so much. So a tremendous- I have a, a code as well. It's Beloved50. If Ooh. somebody out there can't justify 20 bucks or whatever it is to scream the film, see it for yeah. $10 and then recommend it to everybody you know. Yeah. Or crowdfunding thing. But yeah, or just make the twenty dollar donation. But yeah, I ours, yeah, or make a donation on top. So, what's your code again, Nathan? Beloved fifty. Beloved fifty at checkout, you get to save. But remember, that money is much needed. Whatever you are donating, I agree. Uh, for, I agree. Yeah. And um, so, Another guys, I, one less I, bottle of wine. <laughs> there you go. Like, what's what's it to you, right? Um, everyone remember, check out episode 89 with Nathan. He was on Awakening Aphrodite prior. We talk a lot more about hormones and women's health. And if you're interested in uh, medical health, freedom and bodily sovereignty, you might like my episode 65 with Sarah Gustafson, mm. where we get into that. Yes, she's just what a brilliant mind. And lastly, episode 93 with Susan Wilson, who's a midwife. And we talk about women's hormonal health, rites of passage, and more on menopause. So those are some other episodes if you're interested in this kind of thing. So guys, we want to hear what you think about it. And like Nathan said, please share the the uh, the word about these these two critical documentaries that are really changing the culture big time. Yeah. Nathan, any last Last thoughts. I just love, wait, I just love who you are. I love what you're putting together. I, I want to emphasize to everybody that, uh, and I'll I actually mention this to you before we started recording, that there's a lot of like really negative stuff going on in the world. And as long as we're continuing to slice and dice our society into these little factions of people that are just determined to be right, like mm. we're all going to lose and yeah. this is really the allegory for this is cancer. A cancer cell decides, I'm not going to listen to the rest of the group. I'm going to go off and do my own thing, all for my own benefit. Wow. They start, they disconnect themselves from that mycelial network that is your entire being, your entire Amy. And, um, and obviously that's not good for the, for the conversation. It's not good for society. We definitely need to be having more conversations. And I just... I'm so grateful that you're facilitating these types of conversations and that we can continue to be friends and learn from one another because I certainly don't have all the answers, but I love trying to find those pain points and go in there because I think that that is, that is really where it's at with regards to, to trying to 
to give people a little bit more of a cohesive understanding of their health. There's no right and wrong. There's no perfection. That's not even the point. It's really a matter of connecting with one another, seeing what it is that we secretly agree on, but don't you know, think we agree on on the surface and mm -hmm. to be less like cancer cells and more part of a of a, of a collective organism. So thank you for facilitating these conversations. For anybody listening out there, you guys are the heroes. You guys are putting your time into these, these types of really perplexing, somewhat confronting topics. And I, I feel very grateful to, to be invited back. So eloquently said. Nathan, amazing. Please share your amazing podcast. As you can tell everyone, Nathan is not only a wealth of wisdom, but he just speaks so beautifully. And you can get more of that on his amazing podcast, which I subscribe to. Nathan, please tell us how we can find you and your podcast. Yeah, uh, my podcast is called The Holistic OBGYN. Amy, you've been a guest. Um, mm -hmm. Remember the episode right now. Um, mm -hmm. We'll link it maybe in the show I notes. Recall. I can't recall. Mm -hmm. I think it was, on there somewhere. it was 79, but... Uh, mm -hmm. Regardless, um, we have way more conversations, um, very, very much in alignment with what you're doing. I'm really trying to bring in people into the conversation that aren't typical, typically weighing in on women's health. But I do think that caring for women is the way that we can fix the world. So find me at the Holistic OBGYN. It's available everywhere. And then my practice, of course, is belovedholistics.com. Um, you can join my uh, my private contract association. I've got a private discord server that's growing now, and it's going to be a, a wealth of, of collective knowledge there for anybody who's interested wow. in these topics and on um, your spare time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I find time for things that are important to me. And this is definitely important. You're amazing. Final question, Nathan, how can we awaken Aphrodite in ourselves or what does it mean to you to awaken Aphrodite? Hmm. I think we talked a lot about this on the show. I think awakening Aphrodite um, requires us to show up in integrity. It requires us to show up uh, with authenticity. And when we do that, it gives other people to be their authentic selves. And if we can't show up to with the people that we love, especially, but even to strangers, flaws and all, and be proud of who we are and where we've come from, and be willing to accept that we're sometimes wrong and, and um, be willing to change when new information comes up, um, there's really no growth that comes out of that. So, so tuning in um, to who it is that you are, what's your purpose here and where are you going? Um, being able to answer that question and show up proud of who you are and how far you've come in this world. I think that's, uh, I think that's where I'm going to start. <laughs> I love it. So beautiful, everyone. Dr. Nathan Riley, thank you so much for being on Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. Thank you, Amy. And thanks everybody for listening and watching. And remember, please check out those documentaries. And if you feel inclined, share the show or at least share the documentaries. And yeah. we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R. 
N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at fitamytv, F-I-T-A-M-Y-T-V, and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also fitamytv. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.